Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, April 13th, 2018. I'm going to make this report a little bit longer than usual because it's a complicated subject and also because I will not be with you next week and I want to be sure you get your money's worth. On today's report, I will be talking about the chemical weapons attack in Syria that happened a few days ago. Did it really happen? We've seen videos of injured people, but are the videos recent? Or from other years and other places? What real evidence do we have that this attack even took place? And if it did, what real evidence do we have that Syria and Russia had anything to do with it? President Trump has said that Syria and, quote, animal Assad will pay a big price for something that it probably did not even do. No evidence has been presented at this point that Syria and Assad did anything. The entire scenario of a sarin gas attack in Ghouta, Syria, near Damascus on Sunday, April 4th, 2018 makes no sense at all. We've come to expect the senseless. Sometimes it even makes sense to expect the senseless from politicians, but this one stinks so much that anyone can smell it from a mile away. First of all, President Trump tweets that ISIS has been defeated and the United States will be leaving Syria soon. We're expected to believe that the very next day, Bandar al-Assad, the president of Syria, attacks his own women and children with chemical weapons, knowing that the attack has no strategic meaning or value to him and that it will undoubtedly provoke his superpower enemy to remain in the war and subject himself and his country to further death, destruction, possibly even invasion. Further, we are expected to believe that the gas attack against Assad's own civilian population was done with the full protection of Assad's Russian Protectors thus risking nuclear war with the United States. Both sides armed with nuclear weapons face each other with the entire planet at risk over something that no one seems to know who actually did it or if it even happened. No evidence has been submitted that Russia or Syria was involved. In fact, virtually all evidence indicates that they were not involved. It's only been a couple of weeks since the two Russian agents were supposedly poisoned in London an act which was also blamed on the Russians. That event turned out to be completely false, so wouldn't it make sense to actually seek confirmation before launching World War III? No investigation was done into the identity of the attackers, but the President of the United States' immediate reaction was a tweet blaming Russia. One minute he respects Putin and wants reconciliation. The next minute he wants war. One day he's leaving Syria, the next day we're on the verge of World War III. It's interesting that President Trump did not blame Turkey, although Turkey is supposedly one of the countries guaranteeing the peace across Syria. A White House spokesman said, quote, nothing is off the table. I suppose that means nuclear war is on the table, but one thing that is off the table is an investigation to see if Russia is actually guilty. The non-investigation into the actual perpetrators might prove embarrassing, I suppose, so no investigation is conducted. However, the United States is about to carry out an act of war, even though no attack on the United States is imminent. America is not threatened in any way, and no authorization by the legislature has been given. The United States is sending 
A carrier strike group from Norfolk, Virginia to the Eastern Mediterranean, led by the strike carrier Harry Truman and this battle group. Russia has apparently sent a group of Su-35 air superiority fighters armed with anti-ship cruise missiles to Syria. Why all this deep state bluster? Why do globalists hate Putin and Trump so badly? Why is their hatred of these two men so vile and so venal? It's pretty simple, folks. I submit when you take a moment to think about it, it's pretty simple. Globalism is the sworn enemy of nationalism. And nationalism is defined as putting one's own national interests ahead of global interests. Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin are the two most powerful nationalists in the world, and there you have it, the entire Western globalist collective sees both men as threats and as enemies. Let's try for a moment to look at what's actually going on here. Can you imagine a court of law in a criminal case here in the United States saying, first we will sentence this criminal, then we will carry out the sentence, and then we might conduct an investigation later to determine if he actually committed the crime with which he was charged. The law protects individuals in this country, but when there's no law, or when the rule of law is lost, there is no protection. Once again, we find ourselves with the question, why all this hostility to Russia? If you look at the plans, uh, the project for a new American century, which are available for you online, you will see that the pacification and Americanization of the Middle East is one of the goals of that group. Egypt had to be pacified first. That process took about 32 years. Three wars with Israel, aided by the United States to complete. Arab nationalism, which had to be suppressed, and so Egypt's demise and the Gulf states were brought under Western, i.e. American dominance with a pro-Western regime in Saudi Arabia. Iraq was then the major opposition country left. The anti-American Ba'athist Party, along with Saddam Hussein, were, was removed in the years from about 1990 to 2001. The infrastructure of Iraq was destroyed, which made it impossible for that country to ever rise from its ashes again. The only people with a chance to rebuild Iraq were the Christians, who were systematically murdered or driven into exile as wandering migrants. The only opposition left now is the strip of Shia Muslim territory running from northern Iran across northern Syria into Lebanon, and that strip of territory is under imminent threat of American attack at this moment. Now, I'm not just making this up, folks. No matter how weird it sounds, I'm not just making it up. About 17 years ago, General Wesley Clark, right before 9-11, said that fellow members of the defense establishment told him that we were going to invade Iraq and destabilize seven countries in the Middle East in five years, according to the plan of the Project for a New American Century. You're probably remembering back in those days, I used to refer to General Clark as Weasel Clark. It's true that I did. I apologize for that, although I still think General Clark was a political general and a political opportunist. I don't think that President Trump in his own heart wants war with Russia or anyone else, but the deep state does want war. When he says, quote, we are leaving Syria because ISIS has been defeated one day, Syria will pay a big price the next day. That's the deep state talking. 
someone probably had an intervention with the president to explain to him how things really work. He then releases the military to the control of the generals who have previously briefed him on various military scenarios, all of which are terrible, since it is now clear that neither Russia nor Assad conducted the gas attack. If the United States launches a destructive strike, then it will also be clear that another, much more sinister agenda is at work. This all fits a common historic pattern if we just take the time to look at it. Perhaps the decision to go to war was made by the deep state a long time ago. And that decision stands regardless of who is president. The media continually helps the deep state operatives to demonize the target country by continually blaming that country. Without any evidence of every bad thing that happens, the president then has to assemble over time his war cabinet. He has to make sure that every member of his inner cabinet are approved by the deep state and they are down with the cause. He tries to do that by hiring a bunch of generals, but he finds that although they are warriors, they love their country and will not assist the deep state in destroying it. The president finally just asks those people who have those quiet conversations with him to explain how things really work. Who would you like me to appoint? Their answer depends on who the president is at the time, but you can count on one thing for sure. The people they tell him to appoint will be destructive of liberty and life and they will not have the United States national interest as their priority. In this particular case, that person seems to be John Bolton. Mr. Bolton is an interesting choice for President Trump since so many people voted for the president because they believe the campaign promises of withdrawal from international conflicts, which were of little or no interest to the United States. When administration spokespersons are asked, who gave the president this advice? The answer is always the National Security Agency. So, Bolton comes in one day and we are on our way to war the next. Once the correct war cabinet is assembled around the war president, the team simply has to wait for the right call crisis to develop. And if one doesn't develop fast enough, then one will be created. So the problem then that Mr. Trump has chosen as his national security advisor, a man who will push and pull and do whatever is necessary to get this country into war, that scenario should probably be looked at differently. Instead of installing dangerous people to push him to military solutions, perhaps the people are selected to carry out decisions previously made by the deep state. This would serve to explain Mr. Trump's constant reversals of opinion and stated positions. He says one thing in the morning and tries hard to appear in charge. But then he has lunch with those actually in charge and has to make a quick change of position, sometimes a quick change of advisors. If I am correct in all this, what does it mean for the American people and what does it mean for the United States? For the American people, it means that we are not in charge of this government anymore. We can no longer change government policy or direction through the electoral process. Oh, different leaders may look different. They may, may even have different color skin and different temperaments, but they serve the same masters. Those masters are not us, folks. Let's pray that I'm not correct. The president comes to his senses, at least that's the way I see it. Now I remind you folks, next Friday I will be at the spring meeting of the Constitution Party National Committee, so there will be no podcast, God willing, 
I will return on Friday, April 27th. Until then, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.